And I just really like the idea of, you know, continuing the legacy that my parents had started. Um, and it's just a fun, like, I, I genuinely enjoy going to work. Like if I go away for like a long weekend, I will look forward to coming back into the office, especially if I've been away for like a week. I just, I, yeah, I just, I do just enjoy working and it's nice working with my family. You're listening to the Make It British podcast. I'm Kate Hills and I'm on a one-woman mission to save UK manufacturing. I invite you to join me each week when I'll be sharing the stories behind some of the best British-made brands and UK manufacturers and offering you advice and tips on making in the UK. So let's get on with today's show. Welcome to episode 135 of the Make It British podcast. On today's episode, I'm interviewing a chap called Hedley Putnam, who, along with his sister Bubbles, runs a manufacturing business in Plymouth, Devon, that was set up by their parents over 40 years ago. Now, you may not have heard of Putnam's, but they are a growing business that manufacture all sorts of healthcare and home products and even PPE. They've had an amazing year. They've grown to nearly 20% in the last year. And, and Headley has got some great advice about how they've done that by being innovative, by listening to customer feedback and introducing drop shipping into their business so they can work with more customers and smaller customers as well. He's also got some great points to make about how being a UK manufacturer has really helped them to stay nimble and to do really well in what is quite a difficult market at the moment. So I hope you enjoy this interview with Headley. As always, I'd love to hear your feedback. Drop me an email to kate at makeitbritish.co.uk and let me know what you enjoy about this podcast. Let's go now to the interview with Headley. So thank you very much for joining me today, Headley. Thank you so much for having me. So um, Headley Putnam, Putnam's Healthcare, family yeah. business. Yeah. Tell me more. Who started it and, and why? Okay. Um, so it was started by my parents. It's family-run business, so it's my parents and my sister. Uh, so they started it in London. And basically they started it. My dad was having a conversation with a cabbie and he was saying that these seats are really uncomfortable. And my dad had done a load of other businesses and just thought you know what, i'm going to give that give that a go so we started doing taxi seats they were incredibly successful in london it was all word of mouth they had like taxi companies queuing up ordering like all these foam seats for their cabs just to make them more comfortable and then to this day you can still go into london and ask some older cabbies and they'll still know about putnam's taxi seats um oh, wow. then, yeah so yeah that's it's i i told my mates about this and they didn't believe me and then i asked them thinking that it probably <laughs> wouldn't happen and they actually they were like, like cabby didn't know about them or yeah that was good your dad was based in london at the time was he yeah yeah so they lived in islington at the time and then my mum basically decided that she didn't want to have a family in london so they moved down to plymouth um the council was offering like a good grant so they built a whole their own custom factory um they decided that you know there wasn't as many taxi drivers down in plymouth so they went into back care so they were doing pressure like pressure cushions back supports at the start mainly back supports i think they started with and then they went on to do pillows um and basically from there we just kind of moved out and expanded our range i think we we've been at the factory we're still at the same factory we've been there for 
Well, I'm 30. So yeah, it's, it's basically when I was a baby. So about 30 years we've been there now. Um, so the company has been going 41 years this year. So yeah, it's been going a while and we just slowly added to our range. We also do a lot of cut foam. So we'll supply local upholsterers with cut foam sheets, that sort of thing. And then our finished products, the sewing products, uh, like the pillows, back supports, pressure cushions, we'll be doing them predominantly in the UK, but we're exporting to like Japan, uh, America, like all throughout Europe. Um, yeah, so that's kind of kind of the history. And the day-to-day running now is run by me and my sister jointly. Um, my mum's kind of taken a step back. Um, unfortunately, my dad passed away. Um, so obviously, he's no longer involved in the business. But yes, yeah, it's, it's me and my sister that have the day-to-day running of it. Neither of us really wanted to go into the company. It's not like something we would plan. Uh, we both did like our degrees. I did a degree in finance. She did a, a degree in biology. And then we both kind of started working in the factory. I started working. We were really, really busy. And I was just like, do you know what? Like, I love this. Like, I love, I, I love the manufacturing. I love employing people locally. I love the lifestyle in Plymouth. I didn't, I didn't really want to live in London. Um, you know, let's, we, we're based in Plymouth, so like, you know, having the water, having the moors, like all these amazing things around us. And I just really like the idea of, you know, continuing the legacy that my parents had started. Um, and it's just a fun, like, I, I genuinely enjoy going to work. Like if I go away for like a long weekend, I will look forward to coming back into the office, especially if I've been away for like a week. I just, I, yeah, I just, I do just enjoy working and it's nice working with my family. I mean, it's lucky for my mom that both of her kids have stayed in Plymouth and, she can just see us all the time, although not so much since um, coronavirus, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing to hear. That's really wonderful to hear that you actually really love working in manufacturing. Yeah, um, yeah. Because I think so many young people wouldn't, and I you know, I do consider you young, a 30-year-old running Thank a you. factory is pretty young in the UK, isn't it? And it was only because you had that experience, I suppose, of being able to go into the factory, try it out and think, actually, I do love this. That a lot of people don't necessarily get that chance well, to do that and discover that they love manufacturing. Yeah. So, I mean, I've had it. It's not just like that experience. There. It's literally my whole life has been, I don't know, I think probably when we were like five, six years old, we were doing like mail shots for my parents. So we'd be folding all the things, putting them in the envelopes. And then we were, we used the phone, the massive phone box. We used to use that as a playroom. So if my parents went into work and were looking after us we used to run around and rip holes in the foam i'm sure the phone oh, brilliant you <laughs> hate it when we'd go in there um but it's just also like listening to them you know i think both me and my sister are very entrepreneurial just because of the fact that we've been surrounded by you know my dad was a, a big big haggler so if we ever we went away on holiday you know <laughs> we'd always he'd always try and bribe the like air people to get upgrades and, and things like that it's just it's just almost like you're forced to be set like that because you, you hear it all the time and you obviously aspire like both my parents are incredible role models and you you just watch them and you kind of aspire to be to that same same kind of level and it's the same for my sister as well brilliant so in the time that you've known it then and since your parents set it up and i presume when they set it up were they cutting the phone themselves or did they did they do everything on site themselves back in 40 years ago when they were making the taxi seats yeah they, they did have staff when they were doing the taxi seats but yeah my, my mum was started off doing the sewing and my dad was doing a lot of the foam cutting. Um, I think they were doing a bit of injection molding at the time as well. Um, so yeah, no, they were, they were, yeah, they were, they were very much hands-on. Um, they've still actually got, uh, this is very random, but they've still got the desk that they started it all on. It's like a kind of heirloom in our family because of 
how it all started this one desk and how much money like they brought through this one desk they'd like this desk is brilliant really like a a big thing in our family (laughs) i mean it's like a kitchen you'd want to throw it away but (laughs) (laughs) that's such an amazing story though isn't it so it really almost started as a kitchen table business oh yeah yeah it was now turned into something yeah, it was in that house in uh, in Islington, and yeah, I mean, mm. I mean, I think that's how most kind of companies do start, isn't it? You start off small, and then yeah, the, the factory was like a big a big jump, and I, I, mm. I think they nearly ran out of money. I think they they struggled because it was a big commitment. They moved down to Plymouth, they bought a new house, they had me as a baby. I didn't think I was a particularly good baby, um, so yeah, <laughs> they had a, they had a lot going on. It's I'm sure it was incredibly stressful for them. So, but yeah, they've done incredibly well at the same time. And how many people do you employ now? Um, so including the like me, my mum and sister, um, there's 19 of us at the moment. We've taken on, actually since coronavirus, we've taken on yesterday, uh, she did her first shift. Um, we've taken on additional sewing machinists and we've also taken on a packer, um, someone just to help pack the products as well. So yeah, we're at 19 and we're thinking about maybe taking on probably another packer as well. Excellent. So you're busier now than you were pre-coronavirus. Yeah, yeah. So I, I got some management accounts recently, and this year so far we're up on turnover about twenty-one percent. I think it was something like that. So yeah, sixty-one percent. No, twenty-one percent. Twenty-one percent. Twenty-one percent. Sixty. Yeah, that's a say. I mean, Even so, at these times, to be up by twenty over twenty percent is amazing. Yeah, yeah I mean it. it it would and could have been or could be a lot more if we closed for three weeks and during those three weeks um all our staff were gone but me and my sister were still there frantically i mean we were doing like 12 hour days every single day weekends bank holidays just trying to send out as much stuff as possible but we soon ran out of stock and then really realized that we <laughs> really needed staff back um so yeah we got the staff back and i think at the moment uh if if we had more staff in and we could we could the turnover could be a lot higher we're behind on orders at the moment which is not something we'd want to be but we just had huge huge demand um and we are behind on orders at the moment so it would actually be better than that if if we were able to send it out fast enough and invoice it quick enough so what are the products that are proving the most popular at the moment then um interesting so i think uh i mean there's there's a few things i'll, I'll say about the pp in a minute uh, I know one of your guests talk, talked about it quite recently, so maybe I won't speak too much about that. But mm. um, in terms of our, our normal product line, um, we the things like so where people, well, we we believe where people have been staying in in England and vacationing to like holiday parks and doing camping and obviously staying in in the UK, we've seen huge demand for like travel based products. So things like we do like a travel mattress topper; um, those have done very well. Um, yeah, just just like. But in, in general, I just think our like online sales and our online customers have done incredibly well just out, throughout all, our whole range. Um, all those, most of our products have, have seen like big jumps. Um, but yeah, mm. that, that particular product is an example of one that certainly, um, I mean, we always do well with it anyway in the, in the summer, but this, this month's really kind of jumped to the next level. So do you sell everything direct um, of your own products or do you stock any other stores? No, so we we don't actually really focus uh, at all on selling our own products directly. Um, but we do we do we have a website where people can buy them directly. But it's not something we focus on like at all. Um, most mm. of 
most of our stuff is done via other companies. So we have like mobility shops, we have online retailers, um, people that will sell through Amazon and eBay. We don't actually sell directly on Amazon and eBay for Putnam's. It's it's other companies that sell our, our brand mm. for, for us on those platforms. We kind of distance ourselves from, from Amazon and eBay. Although they do approach us, we just, yeah, we feel it's best to allow our customers to, to do that and not compete with them on those platforms. Mm. And you do quite a lot of white label products as well, don't you? So what sort of split is the the work that you do for yourselves and those that you make? Because I've seen on your website, all the bespoke products that you can make are amazing. Yeah, yeah. So you can do all sorts of different types of cut foam, can't you? Do you want to tell everyone a bit more about that? Yeah, of course. Um, so, yeah, I think white label is certainly becoming a much more important part of our business is is definitely growing um i think that's one of the benefits of being a british business is that you're able to change stuff and make things and make tweaks to products within your own factory that maybe other companies couldn't do that are abroad especially on a smaller scale so we do get approached a lot companies especially i think actually our inquiries unfortunately we don't like track them but maybe i should do like kpi on that but we don't actually track the number of inquiries for like split up um but i'm i'm sure because i deal with most of the inquiries for that type of thing that um demand for like the number of inquiries for customers coming to us wanting white label has definitely increased since coronavirus where i guess companies mm. are trying to bring more control back by bringing um bringing their suppliers to the uk instead of buying abroad so yeah that's definitely an area that's working for us and i think it would probably work for a lot of the people listening to your program if they do offer white label and have that flexibility with their customers um mm. and- i mean i think that's a good point you've made about more people are coming back to the uk and i can see how your products will specifically benefit from that because actually it's quite bulky products to ship so there's probably not much of a margin gain to be made by making it overseas anyway and with all the things that are going on at the moment it's an obvious product for people to start thinking about reshoring isn't it yeah 100 yeah, percent. that's that's so true um yeah the the side i mean people do a lot of these companies do shrink the foam you can shrink it down um to reduce its volume but yeah the volume mm. volumetric volume i've just had volume like five times it's fine you can leave it in. uh the volume <laughs> the volume definitely um as the price and um, that's the main factor not the weight so yeah i think you're you're very true it's true what you say um mm. if it was a much smaller product it would be cheaper to be made in china but because of the volume it's yeah it works for us but then also equally it makes it harder for us to export because it's more expensive to ship yeah. so it's kind of that balance um yeah yeah i was gonna say that do you do any export but is it mostly for the local market mostly for uh, uk no yeah no we do we do a good amount of export uh i think probably 25 30 percent of our business is export the rest is locally in the uk and well, the uk and mm. i count um ireland as well as like our local market and North yeah Island, obviously um but yeah it's, it's it's a good part of our business and i think since brexit i think we've actually had seems to be more inquiries and more more demand in europe um for our products so that's interesting so how do you think the end when we get to the end of 2020 and if we're left with no deal um when we leave the you know when with the brexit negotiations how's that going to affect your trading with the eu i just think it's just too hard to speculate on that um (laughs) Do you know, I, 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 we like as a company, we try not to worry about it. We just, uh, we, we, I mean, we've got certain small things we've prepared for, but 
in general, I think we just we'll just wait and see. Um, I, I'm sure that's an awful thing for a business owner to say, but things have changed so much. Like at the start, we we're like, oh, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to prepare in this way. You know, we we're going to hold a certain amount of euros. Like we, we, and then we just gave up on it. We were just like, do you know what? Things are changing too much. Coronavirus is affecting everything. We just need to be flexible and be in a position to be able to adapt as much as we can. Um, we're holding slightly more cash in the business than what we would do normally just to be prepared and be ready. I mean, cash flow has always been pretty good anyway. But Yeah, so I think that's actually a really good way of looking at it. You know, you're a strong business and it is what will be will be a little bit, isn't it, with Brexit? Sounds like you've got your risk spread. You know, you do both direct to retail and you've got your trade and white label customers that you work with. So, mm, I th- you know, I- you're... you're in a good place. Yeah, I, I think that's the beauty with, with our business is it, we do have a, a, a huge amount of customers and we're not particularly reliant on one individual customer. So I think yeah. our spread and our diversification through having a business for such a long time and, and, and having all these different product ranges in different areas and you know having the cut foam and being able to be flexible and changing things and, and the fact that it's all made in the UK that we can change things like instantly. I think that puts us in a very good position for things like coronavirus, the unexpected, you know, no one really knows with Brexit. Um, so yeah, I do feel it's bad that I feel like if you read a business book, you, you know, you'd listen and they'd be like, oh, they're prepared in all these different ways. But um, I think it's, I think just, this it's year just is... much of an unknown and, and things are changing too fast and you just have to be flexible. That's, that's basically our, our way of treating it and our way of uh, preparing yeah. for it. Yeah, I think that's a really good place to be in. Too many different things, too many things are changing at the moment. Who would have yeah. guessed that this time last year we'd be in this situation? So I think that's a really, really good way of looking at it. Yeah. So how does it work then, working with your sister? Do you both get on as a family business? Um, does that work well? Where are the where where are the challenges there? Um, so I, I remember when my sister was going to do a year, she wanted to just do a year and then move to London after she finished her degree. And she was like, this is just never going to work. And I don't know, I kind of thought it might work. Um, and oh my God, it just works so well. So, so I think the, the best thing about working with your family is, is that you've all, you all want to get to the same goal. You have 100% trust in that person. And, you know, me and my sister rarely disagree on, on which area we want to go in. Um, but if you do, you just have to have that understanding of respect and listening to the other person and just know that they're not saying something to disagree with you for the sake of disagreeing. They're saying it because they truly want the best for the company. And, you know, they think that maybe that it, should, it should be whatever this direction and you think it's another direction. So it does just, I don't know how it works. It just works so well um, because me and my sister, there's only two years between us. So growing up, we obviously had loads of fights, like, you know, like, you know, little fights and all the time. And do you know what we even say to my mum when my mum says, like, why are you two arguing? Why are you two fighting? We even say that if me and my sister aren't fighting, it's because we're, like, not close. So, like, when we went away from uni, we'd come back and we wouldn't fight because we hadn't seen each other as much. So I think <laughs> I mean, the – but we, we never really have, like, any – any any like big argument well we don't actually argue at all in work we'll, we'll argue outside of work but when it comes to work <laughs> uh we're just on the same path you know we want we want the best for the company and it just works and you just have trust and you know you never have to think like oh what's she doing now or you know is she working hard because we're you know we're both working for ourselves and we're, we're working for this for this business and we're working for mm. the best. so no it works incredibly well and everyone says you know there's no way i could 
you know, work my brother, there's no way I could work my sister. And my sister would have said the same about me. And, you know, it does, it just, it just works fantastically. Mm. Amazingly. And the tagline, <laughs> the tagline for your company is award winning family business, isn't yeah. it? So you've won quite a few awards recently. Yeah. Tell me more. How, how, how's that worked? What, how did they come about? I mean, to be honest, um, it's, probably more my sister that's uh, managed to achieve these things. Um, but it, it's more just her just applying. Like I think my advice to any business is these award companies, they don't, they didn't just come out and approach you and, you know, do loads of research. And I mean, I'm sure some do maybe the top, top ones, but if you find local ones, you, you actually need to apply for them yourself. So I think if you apply to enough of them and you have good things to say about your company and you're positive and you, you know, you present yourself well in these awards and take the time to to do a good application. Um, then, you know, if you apply to enough, you're gonna you're gonna get an award eventually. I'm sorry, it sounds, it sounds <laughs> I'm like sure there, you're but... they're well deserved. I'm yeah. sure they're well deserved, and it's not just because you applied for them. I mean, I'm, yeah, I, th- I think sure. there's, there's there's reason, but I think you know, if you apply to lots of them and you you have a good company, I, I'm sure that you will you will get an award or you will get a nomination and things like that. So I think it's more just apply to lots would be my advice to like anyone listening to this more than, more than anything. It doesn't sound quite as impressive. No, <laughs> I've told you the truth behind it, but no, I, I, think, I think we even got, um, we just got a lady in the office to, um, and to, to do, do a load of applications mm. for us. Um, but no, it's my sister's idea to apply for all these things and, yeah, it's a brilliant idea. It's really good. And then, you know, when you get to go to these awards, it's quite nice. Unfortunately, I missed out yeah. on one. I, I broke my neck and was in hospital for one of them. But that's oh. another story. But, um, yeah. Gosh. Yeah, I've been, to, I've been yeah. to one of them. But the other one, I, I missed out on, unfortunately. <laughs> the one we actually won on, I, I found it interesting. I, I actually couldn't go to it. So I, I came off my motorbike and, yeah. I'm fine. Now, I was going to say it. Yeah. How did that work in terms of when it is your own business and then yeah. suddenly you find yourself laid up in hospital like that how did how did that work yeah so um believe it or not i was actually so i I was in hospital for three four days and then uh came home and then i was i basically went but i i just can't sit at home and not do anything i've always myself if i can lie in a bed and watch telly or watch my phone uh, i had like a big neck brace on anyway i can go to work so i was actually back back at work within a week so it didn't really affect me that much at all. It was just a bit annoying for this. It was a, it was a summer, so I couldn't do much sport. But no, I'm mm. I'm I, I actually forget that I've done it most of the time. I'm back to normal because it's, it wasn't any spinal damage. It wasn't too bad. But yeah, I love the fact that you had like a you know what anyone else might consider a life threatening injury, and you <laughs> love manufacturing so much that you were back in the factory in just a week. Oh, That's just brilliant. It's daytime TV is too boring for me. I can't, I can't be doing that. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't I, either. Yeah, I think the, I told one of the nurses after I'd been back for like I think it was like a month. I told her that I was working. Like I made out I'd just gone back, and she was so annoyed at me. If she had known that I'd come back like a week after it, yeah, it would have been different. But I, I, I had Brilliant. a neck brace, so I, I actually couldn't, like, it was very supportive, so I actually couldn't really do much damage. I was invincible, basically. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're young. Yeah. Uh, I know you um, wanted to talk a bit about customer feedback. Yeah. Um, I think you had some really good points that you wanted to make about how you've used that to, to build and grow the business. Do you want to tell us more about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think just in general, like, listening to your customers and what they have to say is so important. And 
something that we've been really successful with over the last kind of two, three years is really upping and really, really listening to every single inquiry. Um, and anytime a new customer will say, you know, I like this product, but, you know, can we do a slight variation or a slight, you know, different angle or different, you know, add this certain thing onto it. And then we'll also, so, and we've done a few of those products. We've, we've made tweaks. Uh, we've done like mattress tilters and things like that, and they've done incredibly well. Not all of them. So sometimes I think that's, again, the beauty of the position we're in, um, where we can make stuff. You know, we've got the factory. We can just cut a piece of foam. We can get our, and we've got an incredible team here. So our, our fabric cutter, who's also a designer, he can make these the most any anything in foam. He'll like, literally make it, and he makes it to such a high standard. Is he's like one of our biggest assets, um, and we can just make it. And we can just put it up on our website. You know, it costs us very little, and we'll just trial it and just see. And some work, some products work incredibly well, others don't. But back to listening to the customer, the other thing that we've really, really been like targeting now is where we are doing a lot of medical comfort based products. There's a lot of keywords that we need to listen to and change our products. So if someone says, I don't know, a big example, like acid reflux, just small tweaks to how we brand our certain product. It might be exactly the same products. You might call it a bed wedge, but then if you change it to an acid reflux bed wedge, you know, suddenly you're you're hitting a whole new keyword, a whole new market. And then all of your customers that sell online are then also using this keyword. And there's, there's all sorts of new keywords that we're adding now just from listening to our customers. And there's a lot of, you know, me and my sister, we're not medical professionals, um so mm. we don't know all of these conditions but if we hear feedback and we hear someone say you know I, i've tried this 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 one cushion called cushion x but it it hits this condition y and it's incredible and it's you know transformed my life literally we will have people saying I've tr- it's transformed my life on so many of our products which is another great thing about working in for, for partners is that we we do actually really really help people um so yeah just just listening to the customer and and you know, even if you think it's going to be like a tiny little market, I think British companies like smaller businesses like ours, you know, 20 people, you have to be hitting these niches. You have, you have to be constantly evolving. Like the products that we sold 10, 15 years ago, the sales volumes of those would have dropped. It would, and they've been replaced by new niches that we've gone into new products that we've made. And you have to be innovative and you have to create these products for these customers and, and create your own products and, and, and but yeah, I think that's the real key and a real benefit of being a British company and having the control mm. to literally. And you can you can get samples made and you can try and you can lie them and you can take them home and you can sleep on them and you can get your friends to try them. You know, you, in China, the the process of that is so much longer and so much more complex, and it's very hard to articulate what you're saying to these companies. So yeah, I think that's yeah, that's, that's so a true. Real like- benefit for us. Yeah, yeah, that is definitely as well. Like, like you say, the, the way you're marketing your products yeah. does make them, you know, more unique than what you can get a kind of bland product from China, where it's just, oh, this is a memory foam cushion. Yeah, you've got all those additional ways that you sell to your customer. That's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, mm. I, I think so. With Arcom, it's it's a very competitive market, so you do just need to adapt and and change stuff and. And even if stuff fails, I think failure is so important in business. Even if you make a product and it fails, it doesn't matter because you, you've added a, a load of other products and, you know, one might work. To be fair, most of ours actually work. But I do think <laughs> I, I, I've read this book on failure and I just think it's so important. Failure is like you need to embrace it. Don't worry if, if certain products don't sell 
or they're not at the right price point because if you make other ones, they, they will eventually do well. What's the name of the book? And I'll put a link to it in it's the show called, notes. It's uh, called Matthew Said, Black Box Thinking. Um, it's, ah, it's, brilliant. I, I've I, not I, read I, that I'll one. I'll actually give you such a good example. You can crop me out or edit this out if it's really boring, but I find it really <laughs> interesting. So I'm pretty sure it's a true-based story, but it, I'm sure it would apply in principle anyway. Um, so there was this professor... And he split the class into two equal halves and he, they were making pottery. Um, and basically you got one half to be graded purely on the number of pots they made. And he got another half to be graded purely on their one best pot. So this, I think maybe he did it by symmetric, like symmetry or how it looked or whatever. But so the, the side that did the based on the number of quantity of pots obviously got so much better, so much faster through failure. And then the side of the class that was, you know, taking way longer, like 10 times longer just to do the, a perfect one-off pot, obviously had way worse pots in, in terms of quality. And I think that's just interesting. It's so interesting. Yeah. You can apply that to life in many different areas. And yeah, that's why I love failure. Well, no, I don't love failure, but yeah. I, I, I think... Especially, Trying new things. Yeah, I think British people were so <laughs> afraid of failure. And I think, yeah, just, just try things. And I think that's, again, beauty of British manufacturing is it doesn't cost that much to try a new product for us. Um, mm. So, yeah, it's just it's, it's a time cost and maybe a small raw materials cost. But, yeah, sorry. Does I, that yeah. mean if you make a bespoke product for someone, then you'll actually do it in quite small quantities so that they can test it out as well if you're doing white label for someone? Yeah, 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 yeah. We, yeah, we do that a lot. Yeah, no, that's a good, a good, Brilliant. A good thing. I, I was also going to say that... Um, that's another thing. If, if we make a bespoke product for someone, we'll obviously charge them to make that bespoke product. But then nine times out of 10, that product will be trialed on our website as well. And then if it's trialed mm. and successful, then it will go out to the trade and it'll be put into our trade prices and the trade customers can buy it. Normally we'll trial products on our website before we put them out into, yeah. into our trade customers. I think that's one of the reasons that we have our website um, is to test stuff and see and see and get feedback. It's really important. Reviews as well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So important. So tell me more about the drop shipping you do, because I think a lot of people in the UK don't necessarily understand what drop shipping is and how factories can help them. Yeah. So again, I think drop shipping is definitely for any of your listeners that are manufacturers or make stuff in the UK. I definitely think it's an area that you can have a unique advantage. So it enables your customers to upload you know, that if they're selling on their website, for example, they can upload like 100 of your products. And they can find out which ones are going to sell without having to order, you know, 100 sets of 10 lots of your products. You know, that's a, a huge amount of stock to hold. So we, yeah, we do drop shipping and it's an area that's becoming bigger and bigger and bigger in our business. Um, and just giving that custom, customer the ability to upload lots of your products onto their website or sell them via third party is just brilliant for us. And I, I think, yeah, any of your listeners that I'd recommend that to so- them in a big way. So how does that work then? Do they hold access to your stock taking system? How do you share that information so they know what they're selling on their website? Because you're basically holding the stock then, aren't yeah. you, in your warehouse? That's how drop shipping works. How do they know how much stock you're holding? How does that so work? So basically because we're making everything in the factory, um, we have stock of everything. And if we don't, we'll just sew and cut and, and make it up anyway. Um, so basically a customer will email us with – an order and a product and they'll normally attach like their paperwork from their customer and then that will then be put into our system and then we'll send that out and we'll print out their paperwork and include that with with the product and it will go directly from our factory to directly to their customer and then we'll charge them 
like a handling fee. Um, and yeah, it just, just, brilliant. It, it just makes it so easy for you to start a business. And again, just to try things and just see what works and which products are going to sell. And then when you do start selling stuff and you do want to hold your stock, you know the stock levels because you've got the sales volumes to understand how much stock you need to order. And yeah, again, mm-hmm. it's just it's just giving our customers as as much help as possible and being as flexible with them and you know providing images, providing CSV files so that they can upload them onto our websites. You know, they can use our, our we we do like YouTube videos. My sister's done a lot of them. They're really good if you want to watch them. <laughs> um, I will do yeah, afterwards. Yeah, yeah. I'll put a link to them in yeah, the show yeah, yeah. notes as so well for the podcast. Talking about the product. So yeah, any any way that we can help our customers make it easier for them to buy our products and sell our products, well, mainly for them to sell our products, the easier you can make it for them, the better. So having the flexibility and giving the option of drop shipping, I think is yeah something that all companies need to be doing if they're set up for, mm. for that sort of thing and, and they want to attract you know smaller com- customers that order smaller orders but order quite a lot and then, and some of these companies mm. they'll start off ordering you know at once every two weeks but then they'll like there's one some customers of ours have absolutely flown up like they've they've gone crazy just from starting off with like small orders every now and then and now suddenly they're ordering you know four five six ten twenty like products a day and it's yeah it, And how does the margin? How does the margin on that work compared to a traditional wholesale model where they would sort of mark up the the price by hundred, two hundred percent? The margin's different. No, no. So the margins are the same. I guess the only variation in the margin would be if the customer wants to offer free shipping on their website. So a lot of companies do. So I guess if they're going to stick to our RRP and they're going to offer free shipping, then their margin will drop. Um, and I guess it depends on which product. So obviously if it's a more expensive product, say like a, a mattress tilter or I don't know, a more expensive product, the margin drop from that, the, the cost of carriage, the cost of our handling would I guess be a, a smaller drop compared to if you were ordering like a, a lower value product. Um, but yeah, it depends, mm, it depends, it's very much dependent on if they're going to charge delivery or not. Um, but it should, it should be similar margin, maybe a bit less, depends how much delivery charge they're going to charge on their website, I think. But most people expect free delivery these days, so that's that's the kind of the balancing act, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but that's a good point. There's more manufacturers should offer that, especially UK manufacturers, isn't it? And actually, I don't know many, particularly those that are that are our members that make it British, who do yet do drop shipping. So mm-hmm. that's a really good point and to it, make. Headley. It's easy to do. I mean, yeah, it's, it's especially for us. It's very easy for us to do. I mean, we've been geared up this way for like a long time, anyway. So. The, all the all the people in the team is so experienced with this i mean we've got people on our packing team that have been like for like 20 years um in fact a lot of our staff have been <laughs> been here a long 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 time so um it's just keeping the skill this the skill is so important and the knowledge of our products because we do such a big range anyone like the new people we have coming in now it's going to take them a very long time to learn because we have a, a huge range of different products. It's going to take them a long time to develop that skill and that knowledge of our product base to enable us to send out the quality goods that we do. So, but yeah, keeping the skills important. So where next then? What are you trialing at the moment? Where where are you going to take the Putnam's business in the next few years? Um, I think we're just going to continue on the way we're going, really. Just trying to add new products, listen to our customers, um, listen to the feedback. Um 
we've had huge inquiries loads of loads of trade new trade customers have come on board well potentially hoping to be coming on board very soon so i'm hoping you know things the way they're going maybe we'll get another sewing machinist um and yeah just really follow up on all, all the leads that we've had during this period um we were doing i know I, I think i said earlier we were doing a lot of uh, PPE. I know one of your other, someone else spoke about PPE a lot, but we we jumped in on that yeah. so early, and we were like weeks and weeks ahead of most people, like especially around Plymouth, because of we do cut foam. So a lot of companies are approaching mm. us for cut foam. We we're doing that, and then we were doing the acetate. And again, it's the flexibility. Like you, we couldn't have done that if we were getting our stuff from China. It just takes too long. So we we so quick at, at doing PPE and visors and gowns and things like that. Um, again, just being being flexible, really. Yeah, brilliant. That is, yeah, that is the key, isn't it? That's one of the great advantages of making in the UK yeah. that you can be flexible. And the the whole taxi seat story. I presume you don't make any seats for taxi drivers anymore, then? No, unfortunately not. No, there is actually a small company that bought that kind of side of our business, and I think they still do a few bits. But I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know what they're doing right now. Actually, to be honest. Um, but no, 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 no. I mean, we do like the back supports. We do wedges, so we do lots of products that you can buy and use in your car. If anyone wants to buy one, Putnam's.co.uk. Um, but yeah, no, we don't, we don't do taxi seats, but we do still do comfort products and things that can make you more comfortable in your car and at home and everywhere else. Yeah. Brilliant. So I was just going to say, where can people find you? But you've just said Putnam's.co.uk. Putnam's.co.uk. Um, yeah. Well, if, if you know, if anyone wants has any questions or wants to become a customer, um, Headley at Putnam's.co.uk. Unusual name Headley H E D L E Y. Um, and your sister's name's even more unusual because she's called Bubbles, isn't she? Yeah, yeah. So most and that's the name you don't forget. Yeah. So I think it. I think it really helps her, but sometimes it disadvantages because it doesn't sound professional. It sounds a bit made up, but that is generally what she's called, Bubbles. So um, I, I mean, I, I love the name, Brilliant. but I think she struggles sometimes because people don't, especially because she's you know a, a very professional businesswoman, and then having that name, you know, sometimes it didn't quite go very well, but. No, it, it was well. your parents obviously had a fantastic. Um, you know, they 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 came up with interesting names for their kids, and they set up a fantastic business. And they had the foresight all the way back then to set up a factory and see it through what's gone on in UK manufacturing over the last forty years mm. since they set up the business, and it's still here and it's still growing. Is just brilliant to hear. Yeah. So, um, what a fantastic story! Thank you very much for joining me today, Hedley. Yeah, no problem. Thank you so much for having me. Been fun. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Make It British podcast. I make an episode every Tuesday, plus there's bonus episodes occasionally. So make sure you subscribe in your favourite podcast app. And if you're looking to find British-made brands or UK manufacturers, check out the directory on the Make It British website at makeitbritish.co.uk forward slash directory. Thank you for listening. Bye bye.